0: Hello, this is Brian Tatler from Saxon, and you're listening to Thunder
1: Underground. Welcome to episode 387 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Turn here as always, and this week we've got a fun one for you because Brian Tatler is here. If you're a metal fan, of course, you know Brian from Diamond Head. Founding member, longtime member, going back 40 plus years now. And now, Brian is a member of Saxon. This was announced last year. Early in the year that Paul Quinn was stepping away from Saxon, Paul, of course, one of the original members of Saxon, legendary guitarist and member, stepped away so they brought in Brian to be his replacement for touring because Paul was going to continue recording, just not tour with the band. However, something changed along the way and Brian recorded the brand new Saxon album Hellfire and Damnation. That's one of the first things we talk about here in this interview coming up, so more on that soon. More on Saxon, Diamondhead, and Brian—all that great stuff. But before I jump into that, I need to let you know who we're sponsored by, and that would be Sunset Tattoo, a tattoo shop located right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed. Most importantly, they're mother-approved. Jake and his crew over there have. Well over 25 years of experience, tons of great work. You can check out photos of all the work on their socials, Facebook, and Instagram are both Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, specializing in all styles. You can give them a call or send them a message to set up an appointment time to go in there to talk about what work you're looking to have done. You can also go in and have them help you decide what you're looking to have done. That's what they're great at. So hit up Sunset Tattoo. And tell him you heard about them on Thunder Underground. We've also got DEB Concerts, a concert promoter located right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma as well. They've been bringing great acts to this area for several years now, including Saxon, the band of the hour. Doug brought them into the Ideal Ballroom, which sadly does not exist anymore. And they put on a killer show there. Tons of other great acts have come through, and tons will keep coming through, including... Last in line and lead a Ford at the Vanguard in Tulsa on April 6th. It's a Saturday night; you can't miss it. Hit up the Vanguard's website or debconcerts.com for info on tickets. Follow deb on our socials: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are all D-E-B concerts. They also book the Roadhouse Stage at Rocklahoma every year. This year will be no different. They recently opened the submission window for artists that want to perform the Roadhouse Stage. Doug always books several national acts as well as several regional and unsigned artists as well. So check that out if you're interested. And on top of all this, Doug recently celebrated a birthday. Last week, I believe it was January 30th, so by the time you're hearing this, a little over a week, so a belated happy birthday to Doug Burgess, our longest running sponsor. And hey, what did he turn, maybe 30? 32? He'll have to verify that for you. But thanks again to Doug for his continued support of not only Rock and Roll in Tulsa, but this podcast as well. All right, this is my first official episode of 2024. And here we are at the beginning of February. Was out of town for quite a bit. The last episode was in December. I was out of town, out of country. Got back during the holidays. So when January kicked off, I took a brief hiatus of the podcast. Kind of regroup on some things. So there's some things that are missing in the world of Thunder Underground. The main thing being the best of 2023 episode. This is a thing that Jason and I did every year since the beginning of this podcast, and I've continued since Jason left. Year-end celebration, basically ranking the top albums of the year. I didn't get it done, so I thought I'll do that at the beginning of January, then take my hiatus. But I just went straight into that hiatus. So what I'm going to do... Those kind of things are very time sensitive to most people. Most people wouldn't care about a best of episode now in February. I'm not going to do that here, but I think what I'm going to do is put out an extra episode here in a few days where I just kind of run through them. You know, I've said that before. It's hard for me to just mention an album and not talk about it, but I'm just going to kind of do a briefer, excuse me, a more brief, as briefer a word, I don't know do a more brief version of that where I talk about the top albums of the year, kind of run through that, and also talk about kind of what happened while I was gone. I was out of town, and I've got some music stuff I could talk about relating to that, one of which being which, you know, loosely relates to this episode with Metallica since Diamond Head and Brian have always been attached to Metallica when it comes in people's minds because of Brian's huge influence on the band, but of course then the band returned that, that honor, I guess, of their love for Diamond Head by not only covering one song, they covered four songs throughout the 80s and 90s of Diamond Head. All great covers of all great Diamond Head songs, but the point being Metallica performed in Saudi Arabia in December for the first time at a festival called Soundstorm. I was there working that festival, so I'm gonna speak a bit about that. I was also in Japan before that, and I got the chance to see the band The Long Beach Dev All-Stars while in Tokyo, Japan. That is something else I'm going to talk about. So, Metallica and Saudi Arabia, The Long Beach Dev All-Stars in Japan, the top 23 of 2023. There's a lot of other great music a lot of other great announcements. So that's all going to be on another episode that's coming very soon. And then next week as well, very shortly, I'm going to have another possible two guests to announce, but definitely one that'll be recorded here in a couple days. And I'll let you know about that once it happens. But in the meantime, Brian Tatler is here from Saxon and Diamond Head. So rather than waste a bunch of time, since this is an episode that If you're a Diamond Head or Saxon fan, you tuned in to hear Brian, I'm sure. You didn't tune in to hear me. But with this being episode, one thing I wanted to mention being episode one, basically, of 2024. This is now the 10th calendar year that this podcast has been around. Starting in 2015, and we're now in 2024. Coming here in just a few months, in mid-May, will be the 9th anniversary of Jason and I starting this podcast. Every year we try to do something. So when that day comes, we'll talk about it then. But until then, what we're going to talk about is Saxon and their brand new album, Hellfire and Damnation. This album came out just about three weeks ago, maybe less than three weeks ago, January 19th. Hellfire and Damnation is like the 24th studio album from Saxon, which is pretty amazing because most bands that have been around that long don't have that many albums. There's a handful of bands throughout history. You know, excluding the ones like Frank Zappa, you know, that are way beyond that. But there's a few classic artists throughout history that have 20-plus albums. But a lot of classic artists you think about don't have anywhere near 24 albums. So it's a it's a huge feat. This is the first album that Brian Tatler's is a part of. Of course, part of the dual guitar attack with Doug over there. Paul actually plays on a couple of these songs, extra guitars, but Brian was not only here to record these ten songs, well, these nine songs and an intro song. But he was also part of the writing process, which is very cool. The coolest part of that, to me, is that Saxon, again, is a band that has been around since the 70s. We'll be nearing 50 years here in a few short years, or 45 years at least. For a band that has been around that long, for a guy like Biff Byford to bring in someone... 45 years into their career and say, hey, what are your ideas? Let's involve you in the writing process. That's not something that happens too often. A lot of times people come in as a hired gun, even if they're a name. You know, Saxon brought in a guy that's a legendary artist from the same genre as them, which is a huge deal and makes a lot of sense. But I just think it's great that they've involved him into the writing process, making him now an integral part of this band. So hopefully moving forward, you know, in the years to come, Brian remains a member of Saxon and, of course, continues to perform with Diamondhead and hopefully put out Diamondhead music in the future. But if you haven't checked Hellfire and Damnation yet, we're not even a month and a half into the year. I said this a lot throughout the years. This is a contender for album, you know, one of the top albums of the year. You know, and then as the years go on, more stuff comes out. But I feel confident in saying that about this Saxon album. So check this out if you're into just classic heavy metal. The new wave of British heavy metal. Old school rock and roll. Saxon delivers at the highest order. Biff's voice still sounds great. This band still sounds great. Biff's still writing historical lyrics. They've got the single out. Right now, there's something in Roswell. Obviously, you can figure out what that's about. There's another great song on here called "Madame Guillotine, which kind of harkens back to some of their 80s stuff, in my opinion. Pirates of the Airwaves, 1066. Biff has always been a writer of historical, factual, you know, mainly historical, war, that kind of stuff. So, if that's your thing and for some reason you haven't delved into too much Saxon, you need to do that. Speaking of Biff and Saxon, a few years ago, Biff was on episode 169. Jason and I got the opportunity to interview Biff whenever... Saxon was in Tulsa a few years ago. I believe it was five years ago now. I think it was like 20, it was either 2018 or 2019. Saxon was on the road opening up for Judas Priest. Such an excellent triple bill. That show was Judas Priest, Saxon, and Black Star Riders. That same time, we also got the opportunity to record an episode with Black Star Riders members Ricky Warwick and Damon Johnson. So check that out as well if you're a fan of Black Star Riders, Thin Lizzy, and that whole era of rock. But episode 169 is one for you to check out as well. But here we are, 200 plus episodes later, 387, Brian Tatler of Saxon and Diamond Head is here, so let's jump into it and hear what the man has to say. was announced that you were coming on in the it was announced as a touring member so what kind of change that led to you becoming a part of the recording process for hellfire and damnation
0: um so yeah uh, when they offered me the the gig I, it was as, as touring guitar as they said paul quinn was stepping down he didn't want to tour anymore He'd had enough um you got other projects on the go as well so i said yeah great fantastic uh, and I didn't expect to be writing with the band, um, but I think maybe in in May June last uh, last year, uh, Biff spoke to me about. They said we're doing a new album, um, and uh, have you got any ideas? If and if so, send them over. So I thought, oh okay, yeah, yes, I do have ideas, and. Uh, because we'd had that COVID break and all that, you know, I'd, I'd been making demos at home and working on ideas. So I had a lot of stuff to send him and uh, he immediately got back with, yeah, I like a lot of this. There's some great ideas. And he picked three out that he wanted to work on. Um, So I think they'd already got a lot of the stuff ready, but uh, they wanted a couple more. Biff was, was looking for more and, um, uh, yeah we we started working on three songs, and I went up to biffs and um together we kind of uh finished them off you know um uh, change some bits take bits out you know put in a third verse change the chorus and uh, and got them up to to a level and uh so that we were ready to to rehearse with the band and uh and uh yeah that's how it went
1: when you say that uh, when you ask and you had ideas were these ideas you were toying around with once you started performing with Saxon, or are these ideas you were already working on on your own for Diamond head or
0: well they they're just ideas really they, one of them was was supposed to be Diamond head, but the other two were just ideas that I'd done at home, and we, they never got any further. They never left the house. So one of them was quite a new idea that I'd come up with. Uh, uh, and so while I'm learning the, the new uh, the Saxon material in preparation for the first gig that was cu- that was in July, I I'd, I'd come up with this idea for a rhythm, and um, so put that together quite quickly, and it was one of the ones Biff liked. So it was just um, a case of, of giving giving him as much material as I, as I could and uh see which ones you liked really and and it's nice to have that kind of choice isn't it
1: well what was the total experience for you like Ben, as far as the recording goes clear up to the release of the album just a couple of weeks ago
0: okay so uh yeah once um once we'd um the first priority for me was to learn the set because i knew there was there was festivals coming up we had i think 10 festivals and uh So I was doing that, but at the same time, Biff was asking for new material as well. And then we convened in Germany to start rehearsals. Uh, So we had a couple of days where I would go over the set and then it was move on to the album. So then we were learning new songs uh, and tweaking songs ready to record. Uh, And then it was a case of uh, Nigel and Nibs went in to record the drums and bass. Then uh, 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 once they got all that sorted and edited, I went up to Biff's and with, with Doug um, and we recorded the guitars uh, in Biff's studio with uh, the live engineer, Jackie. Uh, then I think Biff recorded the vocals at his place as well. Uh, maybe, you know, a week or so later. And and finally, it all went to Andy Sneap uh, and he could start mixing it. And then uh, we we did change a couple of things. It, Doug and I both went over to Andy's uh, and, and he wanted a few things, extra things, licks and solos tweaking. Then I think he wanted some vocals changing. So Biff went over and did some more vocals. Uh, but it, it didn't take that long in all. If you added up just the days we spent on the album, it would only be, you know, a few weeks, maybe four, five weeks or something. Uh, so it was done pretty quick and it was kind of done in and around the the festivals uh, when, when there'd be like a gap of a couple of weeks, we could do something. Uh, and uh, they had a deadline. I think they wanted it finished by October 1st or something in order to get it out for uh, for January. So it was all pretty, you know. I wasn't used to working that fast, but I think in in Saxon's world, uh, they get on with this, they crack the whip and uh, get the job done because they've, they've made twenty four albums, haven't they? In, uh, <laughs> or you know, in, in in this amount of time, um uh, so they don't hang about, and I had to learn that pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, what was it like working with uh, Andy Sneep and Biff as co-producers? Was that a process you enjoyed or have you ever worked with Andy before?
0: No, I've never worked with either before. Uh, yes, it was great. It was great. I mean, I can understand why Andy is so in demand, such a as a popular producer for heavy metal bands. He's very good. And um he comes up with great ideas. So I'd always wanted to work with him, but um and I've met him a few times over the years, like when when he was in Sabat, um I I we did a c- couple of festivals and shows together. And then I met him. I was invited up to his studio uh, by Dave Mustaine when they were recording, when Megadeth were recording with uh Andy Sneep. So I got to know him a bit then and saw the studio and all that. So yeah, I've met him a few times over the years and he's great. But I've never actually, you know, where he presses the record button and I'm playing the guitar. We've never got to that point. And uh so I've done it now. And uh yeah, I I, I sing his praises. And he is very good. And I think the album sounds great. And uh he's done a good really good job. It's a really good mix. As
1: far as joining Saxon like this late into your this far into your career, like how I mean, was that kind of like a daunting prospect or like how did you feel going into this, you know, having been a part of the music scene and having your own band for, you know, 40-plus years at this point?
0: Um, I don't think it was daunting. It was, I think it was a nice challenge and it was really great to have something to look forward to, something fresh, and to play with different musicians. Uh, So I just knuckled down and did the work and learned – the songs from, you know, off off YouTube or off Spotify or something, uh, and yeah, I I, I looked on it as a real opportunity at, at at this stage in my career, you know, where very often things start c- calming down and bands, you know, can end up fizzling out. Uh, you know, a Saxon offering me an opportunity like, pardon me, like this was a real um just a real bonus, a real plus. And I absolutely embraced it. I I said yes immediately because I thought, you know, I I know how Saxon worked, the, the setup, because we'd done about Diamond Dead had supported Saxon around 40 times in the past maybe four years. So I knew how it operated. I knew how, how much bigger the band were. Uh, and I just, you know, to be given a chance to be part of it, I absolutely just just went for it, uh, and I'm I'm glad I did. It's it's great.
1: You mentioned the rehearsal process leading up to those festivals last year, and like like you said, using YouTube and Spotify. Like, how was the rehearsal process for you as far as learning those old songs?
0: Well, I'd pretty much done most of the work uh, at home. I also went down to Dogs in uh, in uh, Brighton and and learned, you know, any any little details that I hadn't quite got right, like who plays what harmony or, you know, if it's something you can't tell from from, from YouTube, then uh, you know, a position on the neck or something like that, then uh, uh, you know, Doug probably helped me out with the final details. Uh, so I've had to work on the right hand technique. Um, I've had to uh, brush up on down picking, fast down picking. It's not something I did a lot of. There's not a lot in diamond head. Uh, you know, I always admired James Hetfield's fast down picking, and I always thought oh, I can't do that. You know, when he, when he plays something like Master of Puppets or, or you know, um, Bite Fire with Fire or something. Uh, but now I mean, I've got better at it and I've been using a metronome, and I think uh, I'm getting there now. I'm getting there.
1: <laughs> How do you feel you and Doug, you know, work together chemistry wise as a guitar duo?
0: I think it's really good. We get on great. Doug is one of the nicest guys you could possibly meet. And uh, he's got a great style. And he just compl- we just complement each other, I think, really well. We're not we're not massively similar style-wise, but it just works within the band. And uh, we, we recorded all the guitars together and we were able to help each other. I'd be able to say, like, this bit goes like that and... and try this and he did the same what about if you if you voice a chord differently or he's got a way of playing like a low chords with a with a, the fifth and stuff that that I didn't do much of but I once I saw Doug do it I thought actually that's that's really good and uh, I've I've adapted a bit of that myself so yeah it, it's great it is it, very easy to get along with and uh, um, so far it's it's been a joy
1: when, when you step into the spot like you did of an original member of a, you know, a legendary band like this, like how do oh. you capture the essence of what Paul Quinn did with still being true to yourself as well?
0: Well, yeah, I suppose that is a balance. I'm I'm more I was more interested in um in, uh, you know, doing honour to Paul and Paul's legacy and the work that, that Paul's put into this band since day one. Um, and and I, the, no way did I want to uh, spoil the legacy or, you know, you know, change it in any way. Only, you know, enhance it if, if possible. Uh, so I pretty much try and copy what Paul did uh, up to a point, you know. I mean, there would be a lot of solos to copy note for note, so I didn't do that. I would just mainly do all the the main parts, the main themes, anything that was that was, you know, people were used to hearing. Uh, but I think I probably put myself in there a little bit. But you know, over the years, I've played in in covers bands and and tribute bands and all sorts of bands, so it's not like I've never had to learn. I've learned hundreds of songs by other bands and I think uh, that kind of discipline has has helped me focus and 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 get on with the job of of, of you know doing doing honor to the right. Saxon legacy well
1: I know uh, a couple of years ago you had mentioned that you were you know currently working on the next Diamond head studio album what's the status on that
0: well yeah we we, we, we did do rehearsals and we've done demos and stuff it never got to the point where we recorded any vocals or anything it's it was only ever music with, with you know riffs and and you know we'd try and try and have a, a few days rehearsal where we would try ideas and record them uh but it, it we didn't seriously get to the point where we were going to record the drums or anything. Uh, So I don't know what's going to happen with that at the moment. Uh, That's kind of in the air. Um, We're all still in communication and, uh, you know, we've sort of taken a break this year, 2024. We're going to uh, try and decide what to do in the future. You know, we've never been in this position before where I've been in another band and therefore, and that has to take priority. Uh, So we can't just book diamond head gigs um willy-nilly kind of thing because they can't clash with saxon and uh, you know saxon's still booking gigs for 2024 so we just thought let's let's have a pause and then pick it up when we can
1: i mean you gotta you got a lot of great reviews and press from fans and critics for you know the last couple studio albums with the the self-titled and the coffin train yeah do you think I mean, did that kind of revitalize you like in the writing process when you started that a couple years ago? And you think like now being with Saxon, like just all of that coupled together, you know, just kind of like as a revitalization of your career in a way?
0: Um, I guess so. I think once we got once we got Rasmus in, that helped revitalize the band. He brought a lot of fresh energy to the band. And, uh, you know, it's been going really well. Copping Train was great. And, and we did the the Lightning to the Nations re-recording with the extra bonus tracks. We did all that. But then, you know, COVID seemed to like throw a spanner in the works for us, as it did thousands of other bands. And then coming out of that, we started back up again. But this opportunity came along for me. So the rest of the guys, you know, they all wished me well. They all said they'd have done the same in in my position, you know, they could see it was a step up uh but we don't quite know what to do next in a way what the, the way forward is we're still uh talking and trying to f- find the way you know we all love diamond Ed, we want to do diamond Ed, but we don't know exactly how we're going to do it <laughs>
1: yeah i mean have you noticed like there's kind of been a resurgence in the the new wave of british heavy metal sound over the past decade with some newer bands mm-hmm. are there any yeah, of those that's- Modern Uh, bands that you've listened to yourself?
0: Yes. um, (laughs) Yeah, I have noticed a resurgence um, in in the Wobbeham bands. Um, um, Or or bands that have been influenced by the new Edmund Chevy Metal. I'm not sure about what bands, um, you know, are out there that that, that they're influenced by. I, I mean, there's some great bands that I've heard um new, you know new bands. Um I, I mean I've, I've listened to you but they're not necessarily New Wabham bands or new Nuabham influence. I quite like, you know, you know, Greta Van Fleet and yeah. um you know there's a band called uh Aken, isn't there? H A K E N. And Dirty um, mm-hmm. Honey and Architects and Crownlands. Uh, there's a band called Squid I quite like A a bit unusual. <laughs> but uh, It's nice to look for original things. Uh, so yeah, there's a few bands that. I mean, it's hard to beat the seventies bands because that that was the the year I grew up in, and it was all very new and exciting. So I still love a lot of the seventies, eighties bands. And uh, but I'm I love to find a new band and and uh, and then go and see them and go recommend them to friends and stuff. So I'm always got my ear open for for a new a new band, I, I think it must be tough out there to uh, to be original. Because rock's been around, as you know, 50 years or so. And so it, how, how difficult to be original yeah. in a style that's been around so long. It's very rare. Um, mm-hmm. Most styles, you know, if you were into, say, punk rock or, or you know, rock and roll and Motown or something, you had your moment. And then it's gone and you don't try and make a 50-year career out of it do you unless unless you're you know successful yeah and then you just play the hits but uh, to keep doing album after album after album in, in one style is is really hard um so uh a, a new band you know i wouldn't know where to start now if i were if i was in a new band i suppose you'd be heavier faster darker that's what i tried to do so maybe that's that's still the blueprint
1: (laughs) yeah it seems like so many of those styles are kind of cyclical where it comes back around with like you mentioned greta van fleet and you've got bands like that and rival sons and dirty honey that kind of captured that 70s sound and that's kind of back now yeah
0: it's very 70s i mean as long as i've got a good singer uh i think that you've got you've got something. Um, and I think that, yeah, the singer in all three bands that you just mentioned are all really good. Yeah. So I always thought you've got to have a good singer and some good songs. So, it, I mean, if you can crack that, then maybe you can you can have a career, even if you're not, you know, obviously, uh, Greta Van Fleet are, are very Led Zeppelin influenced, but they're still good. They're, they're very good at what they do. and And I do think the singer's awesome.
1: When you go back to, you know, your early days in diamond head, are there any other bands from that era, from the, the new wave of British heavy metal era that you think, you know, should have gotten more mainstream success um, than they did?
0: Um, yeah. I mean, there was a couple of, of good records. there was a band called fist wasn't it from Newcastle. And, um, 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 let me think, let me think. I mean, there was some good records coming out, uh, but a, a lot of the times, it's it's just it's just the band themselves. They, they split up, or they can't get a record deal, or the management's not right. Uh, there's something that just scuppers some bands. You know, it's it, like well, Iron Maiden are, are a special case in a way. They they got the right management, the right record deal. Steve Harris is a real driver. Um, but they they just went for it, a hundred percent, and stuck with it and. You know everything about. I made the artwork, the logos. They got it right over and over again. Uh, whereas a lot of bands, you know, struggled to find an identity or a style or be consistent, and uh, and and fell by the wayside. So, according to that book about the new wave of British heavy metal by Mark McMillan, there's 400 bands from that period, mm-hmm. and only really a handful survived. Most were back to the day jobs yeah
1: you know your influence throughout the metal world's you know pretty legendary when it comes to bands like metallica and megadeth are there have you ever been told by anyone outside of the metal world that you were an influence on them The kind of unexpected uh,
0: um yeah i suppose so um you know players sometimes uh, uh grew up listening to uh you know diamond dead or come to see me play a, a gig or something you have to ignore that Diamond's One I don't know who it is. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I suppose so. But, I mean, mainly the metal world. But, uh, you know, sometimes you get a uh, you know, local bands and stuff sometimes who, who, who thought, well, because Diamond did, did well and we, we, we got ourselves, you know, into the charts and things like that, that it inspired them to do the same and, and learn the guitar or start you know form a band
1: you've been teaching guitar in recent years right
0: well i stopped now i mean obviously i stopped but yeah i did 10 years from about maybe 2008 to about 2018 um but that was interesting you know i I learned something about the guitar and my playing and techniques and learn i had to learn things in order to teach them (laughs) uh, Because people would come to me and say you know how do you do this and how do you do that and uh, so I had to learn them in order to show them how how to do them so it was good for me but in the end I'd had enough after 10 years I'd had enough and uh, I wanted to do other things so I'm glad I've stopped that of course (laughs) Uh, I played in a covers band as well for 10 years but uh, I stopped that as well you know once I once I uh, the Saxon gig came in I, I, I just didn't have time to do anything other than really, you know, I was, it's enough with Diamondhead, but but to do Saxon as well so um, I, I I knocked that on the head but uh, yeah, I, I, I do like playing and I don't mind playing little pub gigs and playing covers and things like that as long as I'm playing, I, I'd rather play than just sit around you know, at home doing nothing I'd rather get out there
1: when you do cover gigs with that, is it generally metal or is it like classic rock or what do yeah, you think it's more to?
0: like classic rock and, and classic pop, you know, different styles. Uh, I don't have to be metal all the time. I mean, yep. it's nice to have a break from from metal sometimes and it? it can be a bit intense. I, yeah. I can chill out a bit if if it's, you know, free or, you know, um, <laughs> something like that, you know, something a bit bit lighter.
1: right on man well i appreciate you taking the time with me today i'm absolutely digging the new saxon album and hope i get the chance to see you live with them this coming year
0: okay great thank you for saying that thank you
1: there you go brian tatler of saxon and diamond hood a huge thank you to doug weber of new ocean media and of course a massive thank you to brian for taking some time out there to hit me up on zoom talk about everything that he has going on now with saxon This far in his career, the man has jumped into another legendary metal band. So check out Saxon's new album, Hellfire and Damnation. Check out their old work. Check out all the Diamondhead work, including their most recent albums from the last few years are really good with the new vocalists. So check all that stuff out. You know, let us know in the comments what you're a fan of. How did you get into Diamondhead? How did you get into Saxon? Just anything that has to do with it. You know, it's always great to hear from people. You can hit us up at thethunderunderground.com. You can comment on wherever you're seeing this podcast, whether it's on a podcast platform or on a social platform. We're on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, slash X, TikTok. I haven't posted a single video, but I have a backlog of videos that I'm going to start posting on TikTok if you're on there. So quit asking. Also... Anywhere you can hear podcasts, wherever you're listening now. Like, follow, subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. You can hear us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Mixcloud, SoundCloud. Pretty much anywhere podcasts are heard. You can Google it. You can go directly to the website, thethunderunderground.com and listen there. If you Google it, you're probably going to find the Ozzy Osbourne song. Just skim down a few. It should be the next thing that pops up. If this is your first time listening, like I said... Biff Byford from Saxon was on here on episode 169 a few years ago. We've also had on members of Black Star Writers, Glenn Hughes from Deep Purple, and tons of other great work has been on here twice now. Frank Hannon of Tesla has been on here four times. Damon Johnson of Black Star Writers, Brother Kane, Leonard Skinner, Alice Cooper, etc., has been on here six times. Let's see, we've had on members of. Gene Simmons of Kiss, Bruce Kulick formerly of Kiss, Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses, D. Snyder of Twisted Sister, Jeff Tate of Queensryche, members of you know, Super Joint, Crowbar, Prong, Typo Negative, White Zombie, Shinedown, Warrant, Winger, Whitesnake, what other bands start with a W that's been on here? Probably a few that I'm just not thinking about right now, but the list is huge, the list is long. The list keeps growing. We've got two more scheduled here in the next week that I don't announce until they're scheduled. But both of them are legendary artists. One is a legendary artist from the heavy metal world, the European and American heavy metal world. You know, run that around in your head with two separate projects, and one of them is a legendary artist in the American rock world, as well as, well as worldwide. But in the hard rock world. Hopefully on the next episode or two, you'll hear about all that. But until then, check out some previous episodes. And once again, a huge thank you to New Ocean Media, Doug Weber, Brian Tatler, DB Concerts, and Sunset Tattoo. And until next time.
0: Thunder Underground, y'all.